We've got lots of people that are gone this morning. It's too bad. This morning, I'm going to be talking specifically about marriage. And we've been, we've been doing a study for uh, quite some time on the Holy Spirit and the life of the church and within individuals. And we're kind of doing a one-off here. I'm going to talk about marriage today. And I look around and all the people with troubled marriages are up in the mountains today. It's, it's, just, the people, it's just the people who have perfect marriages that are here. So that's unfortunate. But we'll try and do something with this anyway. We'll ask them to listen to the recording. And then if there's any information you want to pass on to those troubled marriages, then feel free to do so. Okay? Because uh, I'm sure they're the ones that could use some help. The fact is, is that marriage in our culture today is in trouble. In, in fact, in many ways, it's almost in disrepute, this notion of getting married. Now, it's interesting, when you talk to young girls, and as they're growing up, even in their teenage years, and you ask them about marriage, it is still the ideal. I, I, I'm assuming this is the case for boys too, but you know, we talk about girls, especially in terms of marriage and weddings. They still have high hopes. Like you talk to a 14-year-old girl and you ask her, well, are you hoping that one of these days you'll get married? Would you like to have that wedding ceremony? And they're all saying, yeah, you know, I can't wait. And some of them are already planning and waiting for that day when they're going to get married. But there are a lot of people who by the time they get to be 21 or 22 or 23, that whole notion of marriage and the ideal that it was for them just doesn't hold the same pizzazz as it did when they were 14 years old. And that's just a trend within our society, and I would say personally that it's a sad one. In fact, marriage is not just um, thought of in some neutral terms, but there are times when when marriage actually becomes uh, disparaged, like looked down upon, and and all you have to do is watch TV. And, and see the way in which marriage itself, as a, a relationship within society, is so often mocked in our world. It's not just that people leave it alone. They actually will go out of their way to mock the notion of marriage. Well, recently, there was a radio station here in Calgary, 90.3, who did something very specific to mock marriage. And here's what they did. They they initiated a contest where people would sign up to get married. And they, would, they, would, they put their names in for this contest to get married for 90.3 hours, the number of the radio station. And during the 90.3 hours that they were married, they were going, this couple that was getting married would be sent to Vancouver on a trip to a Miley Cyrus concert. They'd be, get put up in a hotel, experience the weekend with the concert and everything, meals and all that kind of thing. And then on the following few days after that, they would be sent back here where they could then get divorced. And so they were married on, the idea was, February 13th or 14th. It might have been 14th because all of this was around Valentine's Day. Then they went to the concert. Then they came back here and got divorced on the 16th. Now, you're thinking to yourself, nah, did that really happen? Would somebody really go through with that? Listen to this. Now, this is lengthy, This is lengthy, but it's worth listening to. Okay, go ahead. Amp Radio. They've never met each other before, but it's time for them to get married. Welcome one, welcome all. On behalf of the groom and the bride, we'd like to welcome and thank you for being here. Your ears, at least, everybody listening. 
They are so delighted to have you all here today to share in their joy during this wonderful moment in their lives. My name is Ryan Lindsay. I am an official ordained member of the ministry of the Universal Life Church. Family and friends, we are gathered here today to witness the marriage ceremony of bride and groom. A wedding does three things. It gives public recognition of a mutual devotion. It proclaims that love is the foundation of a new family. And it enlists those who take part in the ceremony in the continuing support and encouragement that any family is going to need. Now, just a few questions. First, for you, groom. Groom, you have chosen bride to be your wife. Sort of. Will you love and respect her? Will you be honest with her always? Will you stand by her through whatever may come? Absolutely. Bride, you have chosen groom to be your husband. Sort of. We kind of did that, but... Will you love and respect him? Will you be honest with him always? Will you stand by him through whatever may come? I will. Now we come to the exchanging of the vows. The part that apparently the groom may tear out that. Just a little bit. Mr. Groom, please repeat after me. Bride... I take you as you are. Bride, I take you as you are. Loving who you are now. Loving who you are now. And who you are yet to become. And who are you and who you are yet to become. I will love you and have faith in your love for me. I will love you and have faith in your love for me. In good times and in bad. In good times and in bad. Through all our years. Through all our years. And all that life may bring us. And all that life may bring us. This I vow to you today. This I vow to you today. And all our days and nights. And all our days and nights. Bride, please repeat after me. Groom, I take you as you are. Groom, I take you as you are. Loving who you are now and who you are yet to become. Loving who you are now and who you are yet to become. I will love you and have faith in your love for me. I will love you and have... Wait, what? (laughs) And have faith in your love for me. And have faith in your love for me. In good times and in bad. In good times and in bad. Through all our years. Through all our years. And all that life may bring us. And all that life may bring us. This I vow to you today. This I vow to you today. And all our days and nights. And all our days and nights. Okay, uh, rings. Uh, You guys have them. Uh, Groom, please repeat after me. And you're going to have to try and reach out. Katie's going to guide your hand here. (laughs) Uh, so that you can get it on the proper finger. Uh, so please repeat after me. Bride, I give you this ring. Bride, I give you this ring. That you may wear it. That you may wear it. As a symbol of the vows. As a symbol of the vows. We have made this day. We have made this day. I pledge you my love and respect. I pledge you my love and respect. My laughter and my tears. My laughter and my tears. With all that I am. With all that I am. I honor you. I honor you. Did you just get here to put the one on him? No, I was trying to get them to hold hands. Oh, oh yeah. sorry. <laughs> okay, now, Bride, just put your fingers on that ring like you're putting it on there again, if you can. Where, where is it? So that it actually there has the meaning aspect here. Okay. okay. Uh, please repeat after me. Groom. Groom. I give you this ring. I give you this ring. That you may wear it as a symbol. That you may wear it as a symbol. Of the vows we have made this day. Of the vows we have made this day. I pledge you my love and respect. I pledge you my love and respect. My laughter and my tears. My laughter and my tears. With all that I am. With all that I am. I honor you. I honor you. Groom and bride, we've heard your promise to share your lives in marriage. We recognize and respect the covenant of marriage you've made here this day before each one of us as witnesses and those that are listening at home. Therefore, in the honesty and sincerity of what you've said and done here today... I, Ryan Lindsay, by the power vested in me as a ministry member of the Universal Life Church, do hereby pronounce you, groom and bride, to be married. You may now kiss your bride. Where is she? Oh, okay. wow. This is going to be, this is going to be okay. awkward. Okay. There you go. I, yeah, okay. Woohoo! Aww. Yay. Yay. 
<laughs> All right, it is now my personal privilege and a great joy to be the first one to introduce to themselves and to everybody else. You guys can take the blindfolds off for this part. Hello. <laughs> Kyle Cook and Cassie Ewing as husband and wife. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Turn that off. Is that amazing? Like, these people actually got married. This is not a, well, it is a joke, but it's, but they really did get married. And they had, they had never seen each other before. Did you catch that part at the end about, oh, you can take the blindfolds off? They had blindfolds on while they were making their wedding vows to each other. They had never met. They had blindfolds on. And the whole thing is couched in the language of a real marriage. And they talk about honesty. They talk about commitment. And they talk about love to two people who had never met and had no intentions of staying together. And, and it's just, it's society's attempt to mock a holy institution that God has created. Now, there was some backlash to this, by the way. The station did receive, as you can imagine, some people who said that, you know, this just isn't right. And indeed, it wasn't right. To mock the institution of marriage. And I, now these people, even though it's in the conditions that it is, they have to get married and then divorced and go through the rest of their lives saying, this is what I did. And I just can't imagine how tragic it is that marriage gets treated in that way. Well, there's a lot of reasons, I suppose, why our society has moved in the way that it has. For one, we all know Christianity doesn't have the presence in our world that it once did. And so Christian values, Christian ideas about what marriage is, it's not going to be held up by our society in the way that it would in a society that was Christian. It's also the case that nowadays people often will say, why bother? I I can have the sex and I can have the relationship and I can have the home with someone else. I can have someone there. For companionship, I can have financial security, I can have all of those things. No longer does the government judge me for being in a relationship like that without being married. No longer does the society judge me for being in a relationship like that without being married. And so I can have all the things that I would like to have with marriage, but I can do it without all of the hassle. And marriage isn't deemed a hassle. In fact, it's so much work. Everybody knows marriage is in trouble. As many marriages end as start, it's a lot of hard work. Why would you go through it? It's just a hassle. So there's some reasons why marriage doesn't have the same play in our world that it used to have. But this morning, I want to focus on one other reason. Why I wonder about Marriage not having the play in our world that it should have. And that has to do with the fact that there are so many marriages in our world that are simply not filled with happiness. There are a lot of Christians who may well stay married, but it certainly doesn't mean that they are happily married or that in their homes and relationships there's peace and harmony. Something genuinely fulfilling. And there's way too many situations where people, even Christian families, are married together. And it's hard to say that it's anything more than simply toleration 
of one another. And it's got to the point where, I mean, this is proverbial. It's cliche within our society where two people stay together despite all the disagreements and problems that they have. And so I have something else I want you to watch. Go ahead. I think you'll recognize this. There's one word in here, by the way, which isn't a perfect word for us to use, but we'll live through it. It's It's a really short one. It starts with an A and ends with an S, and then there's another S in the middle. But you'll... uh. You'll hear it. What jar of fat? (laughs) I'll tell you what jar of fat. It was beautiful. It was fat from pancetta and golden brown sausage. You'd have to be a cook to understand. (laughs) But it was months of carefully selecting only the best drippings to prepare meals for Il Duce. Yeah, you made all those meals just for me, and then you went out jogging. That was my kitchen. You had no right to go in there and throw out my fat. That dollars for my coins. I needed that. You're selfish. Fat collector. Oh, you never appreciated me, ever. You never, ever appreciated me. I would work my fingers to the bone all day with the kids, with the cooking and the cleaning and the laundry, and then you'd waltz in with your list of demands and not even a thank you. That's right. Deborah understands. You wanted a thank you? Where was my thank you? I waltzed in, huh? I dragged my ass home every day after 10 hours stuck in a suit, stuck in an office, stuck in a car. And if I needed coins to pay the tolls that got me to that job, that paid for that meat, that made that fat, then I'll dump it out whenever I want. And I don't care what you say. That's right, you don't care. You have never cared about how hard I work just to serve you. Hey, I don't have to care. That's your job. Thank you. Is that what you want? Is that what you want your marriage to be? (laughs) I don't think so either. In the program, the fact is, is that Frank and Marie love each other. Everybody knows that. And we talk that way. We, you know, we see couples like this and we say, yeah, well, you know, they fight like cats and dogs, but they love each other and they're committed to one another. And so we, <laughs> thank you. There, it's like, um, it's like Edith and Archie Bunker all over again. Do you remember that? Those of you who are old enough. The way that he would talk to her, totally inappropriate. It's like Jackie Gleason and Alice, for those of you who are even older. And what was he going to do? He was constantly going to send her to the moon, Alice. Right? Can you imagine shows like that being on today where a a husband would threaten violence to his wife and and everyone would just allow that to be the case? Have you ever seen the movie McClintock with John Wayne? And there's there's that one uh, scene where, is it Vanessa Redgrave? I can't remember who, who his wife is in that movie. But he spanks her. Like in the movie, he takes a, 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 a ladle or something or a big a spatula or something made of, of iron or tin or something. And in public, in view of a thousand people, he spanks her over and over again across his knee. And everybody laughs like this is all 
Not a big deal. But the, the whole movie is about these two people, these husband, this husband and wife, who are constantly fighting with each other. And he's always drunk and she's always yelling and it's just kind of constant. And again, that becomes kind of proverbial in our society. We almost come to just laugh at it and act like it's not that big a deal. But the fact is, is that marriage is a God-ordained relationship where two people say, they don't say, I'm going to tolerate you. They say, I'm going to love you. I am going to love you for the rest of my life. And so no wedding vows ever said these words. There were no vows that ever said, I will tolerate you until I am dead. Okay, those aren't the vows we take. Nobody ever said, I promise to put up with you from this day forward, no matter how tired I get of all of your little aggravating and nauseating idiosyncrasies. No one ever says in a wedding vow, although after 25 years of marriage, when your voice will be to me like fingernails on a chalkboard, I will nonetheless continue our contractual financial obligations and accommodation arrangements because I said I would, and I don't want to look like a deadbeat. Nobody ever says that. Instead, we talk about how we are going to devote our lives to one another, to love one another. And so I have five pieces of advice today for married couples, okay? And some of you are thinking, you know, I've been married for 50 years. I don't need any advice from somebody who's only been married for 35. (laughs) But I do have some things I want to say today about the way in which we should treat each other. And I'm not going to specifically mention any biblical passages. I was looking about 28 weeks ago, I did a sermon on marriage and I referenced all kinds of biblical passages. And I went through Ephesians chapter five and all the passages you would think of when it comes to marriage, the ones in the beginning with marriage being instituted with Adam and Eve, etc. We went through all of those. But this morning, instead of just talking about those passages on marriage, I just wanted to talk about relationships and some things that seem wise to me in our relating with one another. And so in that sense, these are totally biblical and totally Christian because we center on relationships. And so five things quickly, here's the first. You listening? Go back, go back and hear this again if you, if you don't hear it this morning, okay? Listen to it on the podcast. Number one, respect and treat your spouse the way you would treat someone with whom you greatly desire relationship. Treat your spouse like someone with whom you desire relationship. Is it not the case that so often we treat strangers better than we treat those whom we love? Is it not the case that a lot of times we are more kind to those whom we've just met? And it may be that familiarity breeds contempt. But it seems to me like the main problem is that we simply take each other for granted. And I'd like to have a lot of other things that I could add to the list here, but it seems to me like taking each other for granted is kind of the epitome. Like, I don't know if I need to go any further than that. He or she will always be there. They will always be with me, no longer what I say or do. And so I don't have to be nice. Being nice takes effort. Being polite means I have to think about how I'm relating to the other person. 
Being nice means swallowing my pride. Being nice means admitting I'm wrong. Showing respect requires intentionality, attention, and forethought. And I don't need to have these in the marriage relationship because that person isn't going anywhere. She no longer needs to be romanced. He no longer needs to be shown that I think he's special because he or she isn't going anywhere. Or will they? And they may not leave physically because they think to themselves, well, I'm, I'm here and I, I'm always going to be here. And they may think I am bound to be here. But is that what we want? Is for the person in our relationship to be thinking, I can't leave. I have a marital obligation. I have a godly obligation. I have to stay in this relationship. It seems to me that taking each other for granted will point people in that direction and that attitude more than anything else. And we just need to stay away from it. Don't take each other for granted. The second thing, give your spouse the benefit of the doubt, especially with reference to an issue you commonly face in your marriage. And let me give you a couple of examples here. These are chosen completely random uh, with no relationship to the Carter family whatsoever. Uh, But please don't ask me to sign something that says that's the case, okay? Let's say, just random, let's just say that for the 10,000th time, he leaves his dishes in the sink so that for several hours, the oatmeal or the egg yolk remnants have remained and have become dried like concrete on the plate that he used for breakfast rather than him putting them in the dishwasher, So no connection to my family, but nonetheless, I know these things happen, okay? Or or perhaps she leaves the yard debris in the wheelbarrow instead of putting it in a garbage bag so that the wheelbarrow, which stays out in the yard with this debris, gets rained on and filled with water so that now he has to go to the wheelbarrow and empty it both of the water and the three-week-old decaying yard debris, It's never happened in my family, but I'm sure it's happened in somebody's. Well, it seems to me like we need to, in those kind of circumstances, give each other the benefit of the doubt. Maybe just before he emptied the sink and he was planning to do so, I guarantee you, the phone rang. And then he found himself late for an appointment because of the unexpected phone call and he had to run out of the house unexpectedly. This could happen. Okay, or maybe when she went to place the yard debris in a garbage bag, she found that he had used the last one. And before she could get to the store and get more bags, a thunderstorm came and rained cats and dogs. That could happen. And in both of those cases, they could end up treating each other poorly. Instead of not taking each other for granted and not speaking harshly and giving each other the benefit of the doubt. And so sometimes what appears to be irresponsibility or laziness or a lack of concern for another isn't that. Maybe you received a cross word because your spouse had a bad day. Maybe he's worried about his job security or she is thinking about how the kids are doing. Give your spouse the benefit of the doubt. Give them a break. What we do is because we know them so well and it's happened so many times before, we just assume it's the same old thing. And maybe they're actually making an effort and things have indeed changed. Number three, continually ask the question. Here's the question. What 
does he or she need from me right now? And another way to say that is, how can I best serve him or her right now? How can I serve him or her best right now? Did you know that when you got married and you made those vows, that one of the things you promised to do, even if you didn't say it, was to serve the other? To look out for their welfare above and beyond your own? And in fact, intentional service is really nothing more than Christian service. That's what we're supposed to do. We serve each other. And the person who lies in bed with you at night and the person with whom you get up in the morning, that person is someone who you promise to serve in your life. And the moment you say, I'm not, I'm not serving that person, I want my way, you suddenly have violated a covenant agreement to serve and to honor one another. And so be ready to serve. And if you're younger and you're thinking, boy, I'd like to get married someday, prepare for a life of service. And if you can't prepare for a life of service, don't get married. Number four, don't negatively criticize your spouse to others, whether just in private with one other person or in public. Okay, and that's what we do. Sometimes we'll talk to another person just in private. Sometimes we'll talk in front of a group of people negatively about our spouse, and it always hurts, it always cuts. Those snide little remarks or digs which we pass off as humor are not funny. They hurt. And they hurt because they're unkind. They hurt because they aren't loving. They're not honoring. And if we're to speak only those words, as Scripture says, which are able to build each other up in the Lord, those snide remarks won't do it. Cutting remarks are not wholesome talk. They're unwholesome. And we need to treat each other well, especially with the things that we say. And then lastly, and I, you know, I feel like I could have a list of 25, but we, we have to go. So I'll, I'll stop here. Allow heartfelt commitment to rekindle romance in your relationship. And you, you might think to yourself when I say allow heartfelt commitment to rekindle romance that the key word there is commitment. And I'm not sure that it is. I actually think that the key word there is heartfelt rather than commitment. Frank and Marie have a commitment. But is that the kind of commitment we want? They agree to stick together no matter what. And I feel good about that, I suppose. But you know that hockey teams do that? Hockey teams say, I've got your back. I'm with you no matter what. We're in this together. We're never going to quit on each other. Corporations have models like that. As they go into the business world. We're going to go into this business together. And we won't let each other down. Political parties. They've got each other's backs. They're committed to, the, to the, whatever the party motto is. Or the party direction. Street gangs are committed to each other. They'll even say that they'll die for each other. But is that the kind of relationships 
that we want, and of course, they aren't. Everyone, everybody recognizes that we can have unity despite our disunity or disagreement and that we can together accomplish more with a common purpose. I get that. But marriage is not just about a common purpose or commitment. It's so much more. And so in marriage, we don't just say we're going to stay together no matter what happens. We say words like these. This single individual is the most important person and relationship in my life. In the midst of all kinds of commitments and functional relationships, there is nothing like this one person, nothing so important, no one who means more to me. For this one, I would give my life. For this one, I will endure anything. For this one, no price is too much, no sacrifice too great, because to this one, I have given my life in loving relationship. No one, nothing save God alone, will be as important to me as the life of this one whom I love, including myself. My actions, my speech, and my thoughts, I will make captive to showing this one person how much I love him or her. That's, that's the kind of statement that we need to make when we make wedding vows. And that's the kind of relationship that we need to have and the way that we need to feel about our spouses. Now, you can settle for less. You can tolerate each other. You can go through the next 30 or 40 years or whatever it is speaking to each other harshly. You can, you can ridicule each other in public if you want. You can make those snide little remarks if you want. You can do all of those things that Frank and Marie might do. And at the end, somebody might say, well, they loved each other. They stayed together. But is that what marriage is supposed to be? I think not. God wants something different from us. And we need to love that other person. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful for those that you've brought into our lives with whom we can be married. Father, sometimes we don't treat each other well, even in that, the context of that relationship. And I pray that you would change that about us. Help us, Father, to, to have a mindset and an approach to relationship and marriage that allows it to be so much more than something we tolerate or just are committed to. We want those things. We want to be committed to our spouses, but God, we want our marriages to be so much more than just merely commitment or tolerance. Change our hearts. Change the way we live and speak with each other that will make our marriages the best they can be. We pray through Jesus. Amen.